0: What is going on guys it is september 15th we have a thursday night football game and we got a guest dalton cates is joining me from mojo and we're going to be talking stock up stock down from some of the players from week one and their performances also going over to thursday night football game talking about our picks for the game some players you want to watch for and uh yeah man it should be a pretty fun show also going to debate some teams too we got teams and positional players i'ma pick his brain and see who picking uh who dalton picks so stay tuned You're watching the Justin Henry show on YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter. Make sure you follow on all social media platforms. Yes, sir. The Justin Henry show every Monday through Friday. You're with your host, Justin Henry. And you see the guy to my left, man. Dalton Cates. What's good, my man? How you living, dog?
1: Dude, I'm doing amazing right now. I gotta say that the intro, the intro is clean. That is sick, man. Dude, it's it's getting me fired up every single time. So we we met each other one time. And yeah. dude, I was like, this guy has got some amazing energy and we just vibed. And I was like, dude, this guy, Justin, you're sick. So I, I'm <laughs> excited to be on here with you, man. Um, you know, just ha- have a fun time. Let's do it. I
0: appreciate it, man. You know, you, get the, you got the vibes, man. They go back and forth. So when good energy meets, man, good things happen. And uh, we're going to talk about some energy tonight because the Chargers, you see a lightning bolt the energy, you know, the puns there. Uh, we got to talk about this Thursday night game, man. And I'm glad to have you on to discuss it. Uh, Chiefs and Chargers, which should be a lot of fun. Uh, one of the highest totals of the week sitting at 54 points. Both these teams are known for their fireworks, their quarterback play. And I'm expecting a very uh, heavily contested game. What do you expect in this game, Dalton, when you, when you see these two teams uh, tonight?
1: I mean, it's so natural to assume that there's going to be a lot of points scored when you have uh, two uh, fast-paced offenses that like to throw the ball a ton and they have great quarterbacks. Um, you know, there, there's going to be fireworks involved. And also, especially now with uh, um, J.C. Jackson, we got to watch him. If he is out like that, that is going to really open up a lot of things for Holmes. Last week, uh, Chargers were uh, last in the league in explosive pass defense. And mm. Chiefs were at number two in that. So um, yeah. that is a, a matchup that is very exciting for the Chiefs throwing the ball around. Um, and, yeah, I'm, I'm really curious to see um how explosive this game because i remember i remember uh what was it mexico city uh game uh maybe it was it was supposed to be mexico city game but it wasn't it was the chiefs and the rams i don't know if we're going to see that level of explosion but like anytime you have these two teams playing each other like there's always potential for something like crazy to happen. Just to get, Yeah, because if they, if they, they
0: get win. hot, if either one of them gets hot, it's going to be it's nightmare for the defenses. We saw, you mentioned JC Jackson potentially being back or being out this game. We saw Devontae Adams cook last week, and so I can only imagine what Pat Mahomes is going to do if they give him time. We saw the the Cardinals, they blitzed the shit out of him last week. They were blitzing him, and he made him pay. And so I don't think we see as much of blitz action from the Chargers. They get a lot of pressure from their front four, especially when you got uh, Bosa and Khalil Mack there on the out. Outside. So I expect them to get some pressure, but uh, I also expect this game not to be as high scoring as people think on a short week uh, I think we see the teams lean into the run game a little bit more and then also play a little bit more conservative uh, On Thursday night short weeks, you don't get your players hurt I just have a feeling this might go a little bit under a lot of the public is riding with the over and with the Chargers very heavily Dalton which side are you on you feel like the Chargers will win this game or the
1: Chiefs? I think the Chiefs are gonna win this game. I think I think they're just the better team, but uh, I'm not extremely confident in it. And I would say the biggest reason is the fact that Keenan Allen is out. And yeah. um, if G.C. Jackson misses, I think I think that is enough to put the Chiefs over the Chargers. But I think overall, these teams are very evenly matched. And the one thing about the Chargers this year is that they, they can get to the quarterback and yes if they can like that's that's where Mahomes starts to struggle a little bit is when, is when they, he's under pressure a little bit so um I think that that is going to be the biggest factor there is, is are the Chargers able to get pressure on Mahomes
0: yeah they forced Derek Carr last weekend and some Aaron throws too and uh when I look at Mahomes last week he was locked in I mean bro wasn't missing at all it was it was one of those things where when you knew he was on when he stepped on the field you knew he was going to cause some damage that game man and so um I mean they ter- they turned it off towards the end and still put up 44 points so to me uh, I like the I like the Chiefs to win this game as well. I got it 28-20. The Chargers normally keep things close. They can put up points at the best of them, but you mentioned Keenan Allen being out, and that's one of the cogs of this uh this offense. And so there's a couple other weapons there, Dalton. When you talk about DeAndre Carter, Josh Palmer, Jalen Guyton, Gerald Everett, who do you expect to step up in the place of Keenan Allen to help this team? Um uh, they're gonna need
1: him. I wish I could give you one answer, but I think the the Right answer is probably all of them. <laughs> I, I really, I really think it's going to be this plethora, plethora, uh, of weapons that they're going to use. I think, I think the guy I'm most excited for is probably Gerald Everett, but I don't, I don't say that confidently. Say him and Josh Palmer are probably the top two. Um, yeah. Palmer's naturally just going to run more routes now and be utilized at offense. But DeAndre Carter also got targeted; He was on the field. I mean, last week, I mean, Justin Herbert didn't have a receiver or anybody in the offense have more than four targets. He literally That's spread crazy. the ball. So I'm expecting Mike Williams to kind of be that guy and kind of, you know, be the alpha and the target chin and the rest of the guys kind of kind of split. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Eckler be um, involved a little more a little more yes. in the passing game as well.
0: Yeah, it was kind of strange to see Eckler's usage go down on week one. I know they were probably trying to just get him worked in, and they talked about reducing his workload potentially this year, but I think Mike Mike Williams for sure – We'll have a bounce-back performance. I'm expect if they are going to win this game, they need them to have a big performance. Um, when I look at the Chiefs' side of the football as well, uh, I'm expecting some big plays. We saw Devontae Adams get loose in the secondary uh, last week, and so I'm expecting one of the other guys, maybe it's not Juju, and I and this will be your call. I can't tell you who I think it's going to be either. I it's one of those situations where it could be anybody MVS, Sky Moore, Miko Hartman. I'm expecting some kind of uh of spark play there for him. Who do you think it would be if you had to take your guess?
1: Yeah, so I, th- I think I think Juju's uh probably the guy, but also like he's not as much of a deep threat as right. some other guys. And I think this game is gonna, I mean, again, the Chargers were last explosive pass rate, so I think that's where guys like Hartman and MVS. Come into the equation, and now Marcus Valdez last last week like was getting used as like a short like intermediate route, which is yeah. literally completely opposite of what he did with the the Packers. Like the last two years, he was first in the NFL and average depth of target. So like I would not be shocked if he has like a big play or whatnot. I've actually I did I did i um, I've done two bats like that kind of like fit that mold. I did MVS um, over seventy five yards as like as like an alt, and I also hit yeah. Patrick Mahomes to have longest completion over 38 and a half. So those kind of Oh I like that one. Like, yeah. So I'm sorry, what was that? <laughs>
0: I said I really like that
1: one. That's a yeah, no, one over thirty eight. No, it's, it, it's one of those things where this is the type of game where it can happen and we just didn't see MBS utilizing that role in like in one game, like especially when they were up so much, like they're really only playing three full quarters. Um I, I haven't I don't think we've seen the full role yet for somebody like MVS. So I'm curious about him. but I think Juju's probably the main guy. I just don't know if he's going to be utilized as much as a deep route.
0: Yeah, we saw Juju heavily targeted. Like, he was the one they were targeting the whole game. But the the usage to me that was kind of interesting was Hardman because they used him a lot around the line of scrimmage as well. Uh, Just kind of getting some of those quick targets, just nice little flares and screens. So to me, uh, I'm looking at Hardman as potentially having one of those shot plays as well. So... It could be any one of them with the way Scott Moore is being used. Be it like, could be all of them, too. <laughs> it could be all of them. It would not surprise me. What about the CEH, Isaiah Pacheco uh, usage? Now, I know that was a lot of second-half usage for Pacheco, but we saw Clyde Edwards-Hilaire have a really nice role uh, for the Chiefs early in the game, and then Pacheco was being used as well, more so in the run game. Uh, how do you think that shakes out today?
1: I think Clyde's the guy. Clyde's the guy. I mean, a lot of, of us know. I think 10 of, his, 10 of Pacheco's 12 touches was in the fourth quarter when they are out of the game. Like, Clyde looked like the guy – Um, It was really encouraging to see Pacheco like do well when he was getting touches. Um, But again, like I, I, I would like to see Pacheco get more work when like the starters are out there. I want to see him, can he get five to six touches game? Okay. That would be encouraging. But again, it's Clyde's backfield until something happens. And I'm also curious to see like, in a scenario in which there's a closer game, how does Jared McKinnon now be involved in as the third down back? Is he is he going to be running more routes? Like we didn't see that last game just because of the game script, but um, I think he's also someone to keep an eye on more for more from like a a third down receiver because he actually went into the game ahead of Pacheco in that in that first series, so he's also somebody that I think is in the mix with um, as as a third down back.
0: Good point. Love that point, man. And so yeah, I think it's definitely a CEA show for sure. Uh, But I can see a little bit more of a mixture this week than we saw last week. So good point, especially on McKinnon. All right. We got to do one more thing before we move on to our stock up, stock down, uh, where I'll let you explain a little bit about what you got, what you do as well. Uh, But let's predict the score. So Chiefs, Chargers, what's your official score if you had to make a prediction?
1: Chiefs 31, Chargers 27. Final score, lock it in. Bang, bang.
0: Bang, bang. I love it. I'm going to go with 27-20. I think the Chiefs win 27-20. See a few field goals this game. I think at some point the pace is going to slow down, but you can never count these teams out when it comes to explosive play. So book it. One of those two scores is happening for sure. You heard it <laughs> here first on the Justin Henry show. Now let's talk stock up, stock down for some, some players from week one. Uh, obviously, we saw some names that were highly drafted that didn't perform well. We saw some names that maybe we didn't expect too much to happen and then they outperformed their ADP. So it's helpful to do like some stock up, stock down. And what better way to do that when with you, my man, with Mojo. Tell me a little bit about what you do at Mojo because it's very interesting to me.
1: Yeah, yeah. So so right now I'm a content analyst at Mojo and um, we're looking to launch over here um, in the next week out in New Jersey. And basically what it is, it's, it's a sports stock market. and um the coolest thing about it is like when you're during in games like the graphs will like literally like move up and down as the play happens. so let's say like Javante Williams set the one yard line and then he fumbles the ball his stock price goes down or like somebody snap chair is like not what they expect or somebody gets hurt like how does that affect other players like Geno Smith was up like seven percent during the game so it's live as it's going but you're also like betting on their careers as it's happening so it basically like how the share price works is half of it is an objective stat that is very closely tied to EPA. That includes yards, touchdowns, explosive plays, first downs, turnovers, and sacks. And you you accumulate these uh, this your share price based off of these specific stats. Now the right. other part of it is based off your future value and what we expect to happen. So if somebody gets traded, or let's say you have Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow goes down with injury, okay, his share price goes down because now his market expectations are down. Or or maybe like Jamar Chase like just suddenly is so much better than everybody thought so now his share price goes up and everybody thinks he's going to be that much better for the rest of his career so you can long players and if you think a player is not going to be as good as the market indicates you can actually short them and if their price goes down you can actually like make money off that so it's it's this really cool thing where it's like you're literally investing into players as like it's it's i mean we're talking about it right now it's okay if you yeah. think Pacheco's the guy right like why aren't we buying him right now? If we think like CH That's is suddenly crazy. like not going to be as good, like yo, like we can short him. And then based on how he performs, like that, share price is going to move and then you can, that, it's is, all, it's,
0: that is crazy to me, bro. It's so it's like, you can, you can literally be like in the stock market playing game by game. And even though it's for their careers, it seems like there's still a lot of movement. So a guy like uh, Saquon Barkley probably saw his stock, scream up during the game because of the way he was playing like he had, you know, over 180 total yards, two touchdowns. So like his stock must have like exploded during the game.
1: Yeah, 100%. And that's the thing is is as guys, you know, have these big games and and relative to the market expectations if they're just so much better, like that's when the share price goes up. And the fun thing is too is like if you if you're into like a lot of like rookies and young guys, that's where like a lot of the volatility is, right? So if you have a guy, like let's say last year, right, and you invested in Almar Narstein Brown, he was up like I think like three hundred fifty percent by the end of the year, right? And he's still wow. like he's still climbing. So it's like you can really get these crazy returns if you, if you have a diamond in the rough and they do hit. Like those are the guys, or if you can predict some quarterback bust, like you can make a lot of money by by shorting them. So um, that's crazy
0: yeah. to me. So it's basically like dynasty, but the stock version because you're playing yeah,
1: for- without, without dealing with trade partners.
0: <laughs> which is half the fun and half the annoyance as well right? there's a little bit of both there no yeah. that's awesome man i definitely and you guys check it out if you can once the the beta is launched or you have the ability to in your state go ahead and check it out mojo should be that sounds like a hell of a platform man i can't wait to tap in when it's legalized out here i'm out here in california so when it's legalized out here i can't wait to right, tap yeah, move in, out man. to
1: jersey man move out to jersey try this. Try this sucker <laughs> <And> i
0: might, <laughs> I might.
1: <laughs> so
0: one more question on that is it uh because you know in the stock market obviously it matters your ability to be able to trade in your stock or sell your stock if there's you know just uh you know liquidity in there is that the same when it comes to these the stock player stocks on mojo or is it you can buy or sell whenever you want to like if if the price is right for somebody, they will buy your shares as a limited amount. I'm gonna explain that a little bit for me.
1: Mo- Mojo is the market, so it's it's fully liquid. So you can buy, sell whenever you want. Um, you don't have to deal with somebody else on the other side doing it. You're you're essentially yeah. Mojo sets the market expectations, and based on that is is how is how uh, how, how you're how you're trading. So um, anytime awesome. you want, mean um, you can do that. Um, we're still debating whether we can uh whether we're going to open it 24 7 or whatnot but right now we have it set hours in which it is open similar to the stock market as well but during those hours go crazy
0: that's crazy man no limited shares that's that's you can buy unlimited shares of a player that's crazy to me all right moving on let's go speaking of stock up stock down let's talk about it let's talk about week one and some of the players that we liked um is there anybody on your list stock up that you feel like is trending in the right the right direction based off of the week one play?
1: Yeah, it, it was really – and there's actually a few of these guys, and it was really hard for me to choose one. But um, one guy I really like right now is, uh, is Garrett Wilson with the Jets. Uh, he came in and on the depth chart looked to be like the fourth wide receiver, but he came in and he played the third most uh, snaps, saw the third most routes with the team. But most importantly was he was getting targeted on those routes. He got targeted on 23% of his routes, got – Eight targets, um, turn it into you know 52 yards, and he actually like looked good doing that. I think the toughest yeah. thing right now is he's he's in a situation where it might limit his upside. But again, when we're looking for rookies, especially early on, we want to see: a Are they are they running routes? B Are they getting targeted on those routes? And C Are they becoming efficient on those routes? Because all that stuff is just indicators for what's going to happen later in the year. So when he does get that full role and he is a full-time starter, like. It's going to translate into targets and he can be reductive um, in that role. Yeah,
0: so with that is uh, the obviously Elijah Moore was somebody that was highly valued coming into the year. We didn't see much of him week one. Does him being a big part of this offense, at least right now, does that concern you at all?
1: No, I actually think it's good. I, I, I'm a big proponent on ha- if you have a good wide receiver, like it actually makes the other person better. Um, like just looking at looking at fantasy points, I did I did some research and since 2018, I think this was from 2018 to 2021, um, there was uh top 15 fantasy scores. 11 of the top 15 had another teammate in the top 15. So it's like it actually, like even though the volume like may not be there, there's there's two other things that are at play. One is if you have another good player alongside you, like defenses can't necessarily double team you. So from a coverage standpoint, like it's gonna make you more efficient. So you may not get 10 targets a game you're getting nine targets a game but you're probably more efficient on those routes because you have you have more space to to move within the defense and be also because of that like the team itself is probably going to be a better offense so that leads to more scoring opportunities so from that stance like i actually think it's a good thing that elijah moore is there and i think him and Garrett wilson will thrive together the biggest concern with that is do they have a quarterback that is somewhat competent Man. enough to get them the ball? That's the question, right? Is, is Joe Flacco the guy? I have no idea. Is that Golden Sun guy? I literally have no clue. <laughs> but we just need we just need somebody like Case Keenum who did that with uh, Phelan and Stephon Diggs. We just need some, yep. that type of quarterback that can just get them the ball, let them do the thing. Uh, and then maybe in the future. Flacco ain't
0: like, it? Zach Wilson ain't it, neither of them I guys mean, right right. Right. <laughs> if
1: you're I had right. Zach Wilson,
0: I'd be fading him right now, selling all my Zach Wilson shares. No, one guy that I really like stock-up-wise, Michael Thomas, man. It was so good to see him come back and have an immediate role, even though he didn't play all the snaps that he is accustomed to playing. Jameis trusted him and looked his way. Uh, for me, I love what Michael Thomas is going to bring. I don't necessarily have him as that top-five receiver that he once was, but I do think there's a comfortable fit inside that top 15 receivers uh, and potential for more, especially to extend his career and play with Jameis, like getting him a capable quarterback. And to your point, uh, drafting Chris Olave, bringing in Jarvis Landry, having Alvin Kamara out the backfield, those are other valuable uh, weapons for the Saints team to kind of move coverage off of Michael Thomas. So to me, I absolutely love his value week one. Is there anybody, who else you got? Stock up,
1: go ahead eighty percent of Michael Thomas of what he once was is still an amazing wide receiver, one of the best in the league. So, <laughs> one of the best in the league.
0: You're right, man. He's so nasty. <laughs> All right, who else you got? Stock up.
1: Stock up. Um, yo, let's 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 stay on the same theme, man. Let's go. Let's go with these rookies. I got a Traylon Burks stock up. And th- this might be surprising because he didn't necessarily like have this amazing like debut from like a number standpoint. He saw five targets, fifty-five yards. But again. He ran 13 routes, got targeted on five of them. Like his yards per route run was off the charts. Like again, it's it's the same thing. You want to see guys um, run routes. We didn't see him run as much as we thought, but he got targeted. 38% of his routes run across all rookies. There was only one other player to do better than that, and that was uh, his teammate Kyle Phillips. Um, But like he was second amongst all rookies in a target per route run, and um, he was extremely efficient on it. He looked like really good and that's just they spent a first round pick on him we kind of knew based on the reports coming out him playing in the preseason a little more than we anticipated that he probably was not going to be starting day one so right, for him right. to, to see that and to, to be efficient and look good in the offensive channel to look at him when he's running those routes like those are all extremely positive indicators so I'm really excited to see his role grow and as he starts running more routes and being more involved in the offense like it, I think it just wheels up for 1st I'm, I'm super Man. excited
0: trail on Berksy, and that's a guy that a lot of people faded so he probably saw his stock dive way down with all the asthma stuff yep, and some of those yep. second and third string concerns uh so it's good to note that he had a decent performance even though it didn't really sto- show on the stat sheet like it did for his teammate kyle phillips who probably saw his stock rise during that game um uh, one player that i'm obviously another player that i'm looking at aj brown uh, i think it's, it's emptied a lot of those concerns that he had uh, about coming to philly and playing with jalen hurts so to me, his stock is up too uh, in a major way. he's gonna be that top ten guy, potentially top five guy that we've seen his entire career. Uh, I have no concerns about him in this offense his his colleague on the other end, Devonte Smith, that's a different conversation. but, aj B, to me is rock solid he's the guy that you want uh and have the volume that you want to see as well so stock up aj brown let's get it
1: dude i love that you are speaking to, to them oh, that's my guy right there i just i just got to, uh, <laughs> his, his Phillies jersey just came in the mail like three days ago i got his titans one and oh dude aj brown is my guy dude you you're you're dropping some fire right now i gotta say that to i'm not i'm not gonna say i didn't expect any less but yeah dude. Hey, I what color did you
0: get? It. What color jersey did you get? You a white uh, or team color? I got, I got color? the
1: green one. So I got the green one. The green, the green one. That was nice. And then, um, yeah. So I'm just, I'm rocking. I'm not even an Eagles fan, but it's just that's, that's my guy. Yo, so he's a,
0: such it. a dog, bro. And it's like it really I think is, he was getting, man. he was getting wildly disrespected this off season. So I'm glad to see him showing out and having that role that we've. I mean. At the end of the day, talent speaks and sometimes talent outplays situation. This is one of those clear examples of AJB just being a dog. And I'm glad he's getting the show out, man. I
1: love it. I love it. All
0: right. Last one. One more stock up before you get a stock down. Give me one more player that you you think their stock is on the rise.
1: All right. This is like extremely crazy um, because Uh the stock was was very high. But Uh Justin Jefferson, like, oh, my God, the thing is with Justin Jefferson, like, I think everybody, like, knew, everybody knows how good he is, right? But I legitimately think he can be, like, so good, like, like record-breaking year type good. And the thing with that is when Kevin O'Connell came here from the Rams, like, he knew how they utilized Cooper Cup, how they got him open, and there was talk about the entire offseason about, like, Justin Jefferson saying, like, now I I was always wondering how Cooper Cup always got so open, but, like, now I see how they do that. They also like became a little more pass-heavy, running a little more personnel, which is tailoring towards Justin Jefferson's strengths. Now, what they did week one was extremely exciting. They were using Justin Jefferson in motion a ton. Jair Alexander is one of the best cornerbacks in the league, and he still gave up zero yards to Justin Jefferson. And Justin Jefferson still had 184 yards. And that's it's crazy. they were scheming him. 151 of Justin Jefferson's 184 yards went against linebackers and safeties. Like they, they, that's, that's, that's the scheme right there. That is literally like, Hey, Justin Jefferson, you're our guy. We are going to do everything possible to make sure that you are in the proper position to exceed against these matchups. And that to me is like extremely exciting. It's like, okay, you're finding ways when the other defense knows you're going to Justin Jefferson, you're still finding ways to get him to go up against linebackers and safeties and using them in motion. Like for me, like I don't expect him to get 184 yards every single week, but like, yo, that, like that, that's, that's extremely exciting. Like he can absolutely freaking fall out, have a, it's, i don't i don't know if it's going to happen but it's it's definitely there for to him to potentially do some records especially with the 17 game season That extra game does Man, help
0: it's uh when you look at what cooper cup did on like a just technical route running ability scale, like cooper cup is awesome dynamic triple crown winner for a reason but when i think about what justin jefferson can do in that same offense just being more athletic i was the guy vouching for cup like saying you know what cooper cup take him he's more safe he's secure but seeing what i saw On Sunday, there's another level to this thing, man. So it just depends on how teams decide to guard this thing because Thielen, obviously, is going to be a big part of that. Uh, Another point that you mentioned, man, having that tandem wide receiver, if anything, he's been injury prone in the past, so we need to see him on the field, I think, to keep this thing going. But Justin Jefferson could be in for a very special year, and it's tough to say his stock is on the rise, but you 100% right, my man. It (laughs) is. It is. The last player I want to talk about stock up might be a little might be a little deep in my bag but i'm a niner fan and elijah mitchell is out right now so if i was if i had tarion davis price and i was i'm the guy that thinks that it's going to be him either him or jordan mason one of those guys' stock is going to be on the rise tremendously we know how kyle shanahan uses these running backs by the hot hand whoever it is will get the volume they'll get red zone work I like Davis Price a little bit more in this one, TDP. I think there's a lot of value for him, but don't sleep on Jordan Mason. Both of those guys' stocks are on the rise. Jeff Wilson should be good to start off, but I have a feeling one of those guys, one of those guys is going to take over, and unfortunately for Eli Mitchell, whose stock is on is trending in the wrong way, I don't think that starting gig is going to be there for him when he gets back.
1: Dude, I love it. Every single year, we always see some San Francisco running back just kind of like, come out of nowhere. I mean, last year was Elijah Mitchell and then like a couple years before it was it was like a tandem of like Jeff Wilson for a little bit and then Raheem Moster like guys yeah. that like nobody's like heard of and suddenly they're just like balling out. So I, I it's one of my favorite tactics in, in fantasy just to grab like and just whoever is like an active running back on the Niners, like at some <laughs> point if they get dude Matt Breed too. Matt Breed is like an undrafted Matt Breida. guy. I mean, dude, it's 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 every year. Every year he has like yeah. a different leading rusher. So Dude, I, lo- I love that take. Like that. He did like cool.
0: Alfred Morris. I want to say when he was in Washington. In uh, yeah. Devontae Freeman when he was in Atlanta. Like it's always somebody just crazy that's unexpected.
1: I love it. So I love I love it. That's fire. That's absolutely. All fire.
0: right. Well, we did stock up, and there's always the opposite of that. Stock down, Dalton. Who are you looking at? Stock down wise is I mean, we saw some performances that were bad, but which ones are truly concerning for you?
1: Damien Pierce for sure. He's he's yeah. he's number one for me. I uh. I mean, any time that you're in a scenario in which you are expected to be the starter and then you come out and you're seeing 29% of snaps, um, that's concerning. And especially in a game in which we know is probably not going to happen a lot for the Texans, like they literally have the worst Vegas, the over under win total out of any team in the NFL. And then they're up like 17 points against the Colts. And he's still seeing 29% of the work. Like you're literally in the perfect scenario possible for you. And then Rex Burkhead's the one, you know, taking snaps. And also like one thing too, for, for Pierce that I was really interested to see is would he see some of that receiving work and give him some extra upside there? No. Burkhead saw 25 routes, Pierce ran five routes. So they also said this week that they're going to go ahead and like try and get him more work, which like, I would like to believe that, and it's totally possible it happens. But like, how much of a shift are we going to see from 29 percent of the snaps to like 50? Like, that's that's yeah. good, but that's still not what we expect. We we're expecting Pierce to have like 65, 70 percent and be the main guy there. um So yeah, I'm I'm definitely I'm I'm like pretty concerned about Pierce. Off,
0: there off of there was a lot of the holdout too in preseason. Like they held him out of the last preseason game. That means they're saving him to be the starter, saving him for the year, and then to see Burkhead come in and just completely dominate all the touches to me was very concerning and somebody i wasn't very high on damian pierce at all i thought he was a a mid talent i didn't think he really had opportunity but then when lovey smith came in and he started playing him a little bit more and he looked good in the preseason and then he got benched that week so it was the clear starters role i was like okay we can have him as a you know rb3 very comfortably top 25 running back that was concerning to see him he would chill on my bench in a lot of leagues, but for fantasy purposes, I'd either A, be looking to move him, or B, just know that you're going to hold him until week six to eight, somewhere in that range before you see your return on value uh, when it comes to Damian Pierce. So I'm with you there. Definitely concerning. Uh, one player stocked down for me, and I hate saying this, Kadarius Tony. Uh, very concerning for me. And I'm a big Kadarius Tony guy. I don't think this is a scenario where stock down can't go up, but to see guys like Kenny Galladay, Sterling Shepard, Richie James, ahead of him, uh, playing more than him, and he only played seven snaps, uh, to me, there's something else going on with Kadarius Toney. So I'm hoping it was like an injury thing during the preseason that he's getting over it. But to see him just not on the field, he looks good when he got the ball, but to just not be on the field was very concerning. Kadarius Toney. Stock down, and I hate saying it because I was a big advocate.
1: Yeah, same. I was, I was very, I was very confident in Tony as well as a talent. But I think there's like some, some behind the scenes stuff. Like we saw, we saw this off season that Tony was, you know, on the trade block, and like maybe that had been an indicator of okay, like we can still think he's a really good player, but there might be some underlying things that us as like analysts don't get to see from from our perspective. Right. So I'm, I'm really, I'm really curious about like him because if he if he does get work like that's great but then we saw again in practice today like he was running with the third team right now yeah. so it's 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 one of the it's one of those tough things for him where i, I have to agree like it sucks to say it but yeah he's he's probably a... is
0: he for you is he a hold like are you holding cadarius tony anywhere that you have him like on your bench yeah, dropped, are you very concerned I, dropped him and
1: dropped. It, was, it was one of those things where i really didn't want to drop him but um i i did i did have to and it's one of those things where if we start to see him get some more work, we can pick him back up again. But it's, it's probably one of those things where we it might be like a slow grind for him to get back in, involved and actually be relevant, especially in the offense too. I'm not sure it's the greatest offense. So yeah. I think there's a couple of concerns there. Um, with that. Yeah. Uh, I,
0: I trust Dable, but you mentioned Daniel Jones didn't look all that great to me. And it was no. just concerning the nut, like, like you mentioned with Pierce, it would take a significant amount of snaps yeah. for me to change my tune on Tony. And that's not going to happen this week. Probably not the next week either. hundred percent. else you got stocked down?
1: Uh Mike Kisecki. Mike Esecki. Yeah. That's a tough one. Yeah. He um there, there there was some chatter this offseason that in that McDaniel offense that like he didn't necessarily fit it. Um, and it was so weird because when when you're franchise tagging a player, like you're expecting to utilize them, they're part of your future, and then you go out week one, see 41% of the snaps, run 16 routes, you're getting out targeted by derm Smythe, who like i don't even know if i pronounce his name right to be honest like I don't I, I don't I don't i don't know i don't know i don't know how good he is but I, when you have tyree kill jalen waddle like those are going to be the main guys in your offense and then you'd like to see Gasecki be the third he clearly wasn't he wasn't a massive part he's more of a rotational player um yeah i'm, I'm extremely concerned about him yeah. um for the season it, just, it doesn't look like it's gonna happen to be honest. i feel
0: like for him it's gonna take a trade he's gotta get traded somewhere yeah, i don't know where either but he's he's gotta get traded for sure because yeah. that's the offense doesn't fit him at all
1: it's unfortunate with, with some of those guys that, that we know are talented but like sometimes just like scheme fits just just aren't ideal for certain certain players whereas like if you were to go to another team that that could utilize them like similar to like a cop Pitts, like where they're using multiple formation like he's more of a wide receiver than he is a tight end so utilizing right. him as that receiver putting him in the slot um, sprinkle him in line a little bit, like I think I think that would be a fun scenario for him. But in an offense that you're asking him to block and you know do some play action, like mm-mm, that's, yeah, that's good. it's not
0: good. And He'll definitely have to to do that in order to be successful or to have yeah. a role on that team.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, a player that got hurt, Dak Prescott. Um, he has a receiver that's gonna be needing, gonna be missing him for a few weeks, and that's Ceedee Lamb. Uh, Ceedee Lamb to me was already a guy. I was. I thought he had the potential for a big season, but then there was also the floor of what if he's not ready for this role yet? And I think we saw a little bit of that week one. I'm not writing CeeDee Lamb off completely this year, but I am tempering my expectations from that top five potential to more of like that back-end wide receiver one when it comes to CeeDee Lamb. He had the targets you wanna see, 11 targets, but. Not a lot of production on those targets, and to me, that's very concerning, especially when you got Cooper Rush coming in for probably three to four weeks, Um, and then not having Michael Gallup. He's going to have to get up to speed over the next few weeks. No real viable uh, threat as a secondary receiver. You talked about it. Having that other receiver on the other side makes it so much easier to get open. Even just having Amari Cooper on the field helped out CeeDee Lamb last year. So... I'm I'm kind of out on Ceedee Lamb. I would almost sell him for ninety percent on the dollar if I was if I was that that type of person to be in a league and looking like people ask me who would I trade him for. Uh, even guys like Keenan Allen, Michael Thomas. If you can get a secondary piece with that, I'd be okay with shipping Ceedee Lamb off. I'm very concerned about Ceedee Lamb.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it naturally you have to be like with with a backup quarterback in there. It's still it's still good that he saw all the targets and was utilized as that wide receiver one, but he didn't necessarily produce on it so uh, yeah again like we we ideally want to see targets but again they're not going to be good targets um the offense is probably not going to be good so the touchdown equity is is so there's there's a lot of things at play that kind of that kind of limit his ceiling. so even though he's a really good player like there's a point where investing in another wide receiver in a better offense that you know maybe is is on the come up like if you can somehow get an Ross saint brown or or something like along those lines like i think even like even trading for like Elijah Moore, like Bateman, and then get something else. Like if you can get like one of those pieces, I think that's that's something that um, would definitely be really interesting. Uh,
0: I think see. a player you could probably flip CD Lamb for is like Debo, Debo Samuel, yeah. who's going to be involved in the run game and the wide receiver like in the receiving game. So uh, it's, it's depends on your league, obviously, but that's a player I probably would look to move on from, um, just given the circumstances. It's just he doesn't have that same ceiling that you want to see for some of these players. Anybody else, Dalton? You got any last? Fades or stock downs, I should say. For the yeah, same. yeah,
1: I got, I got one. David Montgomery, David Montgomery. I'm legitimately concerned. Yes. About it. I'm, man, I'm I love where your head
0: is, bro. It. We, we think alike on this fantasy shit. I love, love it, bro. I love it, man, dude,
1: dude. We're we're on fire right now. We're on yeah. fire, like, like the Arizona Heat. We love it. Um, <laughs> we love it. All right, so so my my thing on Montgomery was uh, there there was a lot of concern heading the offseason. There's chatter about Herbert being more involved and the coaches were saying that he necessarily wasn't a scheme fit and they liked Herbert more as a scheme fit they didn't draft him um so there was concern about that and then we saw his last precinct game he saw 20 snaps and saw two so it's like okay maybe like Montgomery is the guy I mean Montgomery still was the lead guy he saw 17 carries I believe he had like 28 yards but Herbert had nine for 45 looks better got the goal line work as well um and that's just week one that's just week one so um It's one of those things where as Herbert continues to play well and Montgomery doesn't, it's just naturally going to go from like Montgomery's here to Herbert's here, and then they're slowly going to start to probably get closer. And I think there's a a legitimate chance in which Herbert overtakes him. I'm not sure how soon that's going to be or when that's going to happen, but all the indications right now are at worst that this is like a Montgomery-led committee um, with the potential for Herbert to take over at some point um, this year. So the the value we're hoping for Montgomery is really going to be there.
0: Go get Khalil Herbert if you can right now go get him because I think in the second half of the year we could see him taking over that role Montgomery man, even though the elements were there, I just it feels like there's going to be a changing of the guard at some point this year so i'm with you there on Montgomery. Uh, Another player that I am uh, concerned about stock trending down for sure, and I just mentioned his name Amari Cooper. Uh, for the Browns. It does not look good. Even if he has a big game here over the next week or two, it's still something you're going to have to monitor with Jacoby Brissett as the quarterback. And even when Deshaun Watson inevitably returns, uh, there he's probably going to take a few games for him to get on board as well. So you're talking week 13 for him to come back. Uh, Brissett's going to lead the offense through most of your regular season when it comes to fantasy football. Uh, he's a guy that I thought potentially could be that top 25 receivers. It's not going to be that. It'll be even worse than that. I have legitimate concerns seeing six targets, three catches, 17 yards. Uh, To me, when DPJ was even having a a more viable role in the offense, it just looks like it's going to be inconsistent at best. So even if he had a few big weeks here in the season, he's going to have a lot of misses too for your fantasy team. And so I would be looking, if you can sell the name value of Marty Cooper, I think it'd be time to get rid of him.
1: Hundred percent, hundred percent. And reset was like really like checking down a ton. And Amari like has this fun deep element to this game that's like it's just not going to be unlocked with Jacoby. There's yeah. some quarterbacks just like aren't going to be throwing the ball downfield, and that that's what really unlocks Amari Cooper a ton. Um, so like yeah, I, I I'm I'm legit. He's he's one of those guys where I don't know if you can like necessarily like cut cut him just quite yet, but yeah. like he's one of those guys that's like is when am I going to feel comfortable starting him. Is he just gonna sit there? Like, is there other guys that I'm missing on waivers right now because um, I still have him on my team? So he's just one of like those those weird like influx players where it's like yeah. I just don't want to deal with it. So um, yeah, I kind of I really I really like that.
0: Those um, are always those guys I try to pair up with one of the maybe like hot players. So like if if you're watching and you have a Marty Cooper in your team, maybe you have a guy like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and you can pair them together to move up and get a superstar, like a more secure player. Those are the kind of moves I do with name value because then it allows you to not lose out just on the value by dropping them, which, you could inevitably do if you hold him for another two or three weeks, uh, but you can pair him up, sell the name value to somebody else who believes in it. And then now you secured a top level talent. So go get a top 15 receiver pair up Clyde Everton or a top 15 back if you can, like try to do that kind of move before you, cause it's gonna happen. I don't think this is not a player you're gonna be able to roster on your, your team the entire year.
1: Yeah, it's tough. it's tough. Go get Kyle Pitts. Go get Kyle, Kyle Ooh, Pitts. Oh, good move. A, I like, man. Get a, get a, get a Marty Cooper. Cooper. Find some, find some other player on your team and go get Kyle Pitts. Get him right now. Everything's going to be fine with him. Some good players have that.
0: I be that. I love, it. That. It it happens, I love perfect. that shit. Man, yeah. dropping
1: gems, baby. Perfect. It is not real, man. You cannot be perfect every game.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right, here we go. So we talked about a few different scenarios too, Dalton. I want to get into some same team love, right? So uh, these will be players on the same team, but we and you, me and you, we got to predict who's going to be the guy by the end of the season. I know we've we've agreed on a lot so far, but I got a feeling we might have a little differences here. So we got to talk it out, all right?
1: All right, all right, all right.
0: First one, week one, we saw Cortland Sutton have a decent showing. I would say decent showing, but Jerry Judy caught the long TD. So that's the one. He's the one who won week one. Long term, are you buying into the looks that Cortland Sutton was getting, or do you think that Jerry Judy is going to be the guy for this team moving forward?
1: Sutton. It's Sutton. Like, and I'm, I'm, I'm confident in Sutton, too. Um, I like the way they utilized him a little bit. Looking at some of the metrics, he had like a 44% air yard share like Russell Wilson throws the ball at a deep rate, like more than most quarterbacks in the league. Um This offense is going to get humming. Like we, we saw the Broncos probably at like one of their worst. We're going to see the season. And that happens like good teams have bad games. Like at, at any, any game on a week to week basis. Like we're just going to see stuff. That's like not normal. Like the, the Buccaneers, like last year they got, they got shut out in one of their games. Like, like this, this stuff, this stuff happens. And we saw the underlying metrics, like point, like still went seven for 72, um six of six of his um uh six of his uh targets went for over 10 plus yards yeah. so like he's getting utilized downfield like there, there's going to be a game in which Sutton breaks a, a 50-yard play and catches one of those balls that, that he was thrown down there gets yep. utilized in the red zone like uh, Ju- Judy's going to be I think more of the the pass catcher like yes security blanket where Sutton's like that big play guy but can also be that player so I think it's 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 a one a one b but I think Sutton's for sure that guy that uh, over the over the rest of the year I would prefer to have on my team.
0: I'm rocking with Judy, man, and I know I'm probably an outlier even after seeing the game in Seattle. Like it's clear that they like to get Sutton the ball on third downs and even target him in the red zone. It's very clear to see that, but I can see Judy having a nice little mix because I also think that Judy's probably or Sutton's probably going to see. Uh, more intense coverage. Obviously, Judy's going to be playing out of the slot most of the time. So, to me, I like what Judy's going to be bringing to the table here. Uh, I have him over Sutton this year, and I'm going to be right 100%. Like, I Look, do, you, know, you know what
1: the correct answer? The correct answer is both because both, two good receivers, right. they help each other out, and we're going to see them target the wide receivers more. So, I,
0: honestly, I could have see him having very similar yardage. When it's, when it's all said and done, I think Sutton would have more touchdowns, and I could see Jerry Judy having potentially more catches. That's that's about yeah. the difference that I see in my opinion. 100%. All right. We agree to disagree there. Drake London and Kyle Pitts. And I know now I already know your head is on ah, this. Now, I'm glad that, that you're going that way. But Drake London had a very nice showing for the Falcons. Kyle Pitts, underwhelmed. I don't think there's any room for panic there, but who do you think is the more reliable receiving target for the Falcons this year?
1: Pitts for sure, Pitts for sure, and for sure, yeah, for sure, and and the and the reason is is because second year players just tend to have more upside. They're more well tuned to the NFL, so we tend to see guys in their second year um, produce at a, a higher rate than rookies. So even though Drake London was extremely exciting um, in his first week, we also have to take into account that heading into the season, like teams like know that Kyle Pitts. Is the guy on the Falcons. Yes. So Marshawn Lattimore's lining up against Kyle Pitts. So that obviously leaves more room for Drake London to work, which is like that that pairing again. It's like having Kyle Pitts is so good for Drake London. But at the end of the day, like Kyle Pitts is that guy. They spent a fourth overall pick on him last year. Like he had a thousand yards as a rookie, rookie tight <laughs> end. And heading into his year two, he should be only better. So am I expecting Drake London to have like this 1100, 1200 yard season that I'm potentially expecting Kyle Pitts to have? No, but I think like London is still hit like sub a thousand, or maybe even reach a thousand. Um, but I think I think Kyle Pitts is more locked in. Um, he's in his second year. Like from here on out, like I'm pretty confident in Pitts being that guy. But as that's nothing against London because I love him so much. I just think Pitts is like legitimately that. I think he's gonna be like a yeah. generational type player that we're talking about for like the next decade
0: pitts is that dude for sure that dude dude for sure and when you talk about drake london he's that dude as well and i think this speaks speaks more to drake london's impact this season than it does kyle pitt's lack of an impact kyle pitts will be fine and he's probably going to crack a thousand yards again we'll see somewhere in the six to eight touchdown range no doubt in my mind about that but drake london to me is probably going to be more impactful than people originally thought um i think he can he can be somewhere in that 800 to like you said a thousand range and it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise anybody. So Mariota's looking his way; he's getting the type of targets you want to see. To me, uh, it spoke a lot more in the direction for Drake London. But I still got Kyle Pitts. Season long, I would take him as a receiver, even if they were both receivers. I would take Kyle Pitts' production over Drake London's.
1: I, th- I thought you were going Drake London there for a second. You're really setting it up there. you really set it up there. You you really know, it up there I got to keep it, it
0: interesting on you, man. Keep <laughs> it funky. You never know. <laughs> so. Another scenario. Now, I'm going to throw this one your way. I already answered this one, so now it's your turn to answer it. TDP, Jeff Wilson, Elijah Mitchell, Jordan Mason. You got to pick one for the season. One for the season, not just right now, not just this week. Who do you want for the rest of the season? You're probably going to be wrong. I'm probably going to be wrong because only Kyle Shanahan knows. It'd probably be some guy they just signed mm-hmm. off of
1: waivers. That's, not, that's Marlon where I was going to go. This, I was going to say Marlon Mack. <laughs> no, 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 no.
0: If all it's right, Marlon I, Mack, that would be I, crazy. I, I, the most Shanahan thing ever would be Marlon Mack leading this team in rushing by the end of the year. <laughs> <laughs> all right,
1: all right. This, this is such a tough question because... <laughs> The, the correct answer is either A, like, some sort of all of them, or B, like, maybe none of them, or, like, like C, Debo Samuel. So, yeah. um, okay, if I had to choose one, I, I think the safe answer is just Jeff Wilson because because we've seen it before. We've seen him get utilized in that role, be part of the, the rushing offense. Like, he doesn't really have much of a receiving role, but we know, like, he was the firm number two heading into camp. Um, And when he comes in, like, he tends to get the work. So I think, yeah. like, it's a pretty easy project – Week two, that, like, Jeff Wilson's probably going to lead the team in carries. Like, I don't know if Mason or TDP get involved or if they end up earning their way onto the field. But I think right now it's, like, one of those things where Wilson has locked in until something happens for right now.
0: All right, so you're going Wilson the rest of the season, not just this week. Yeah, not just I, next, I, don't, I, the I really don't
1: feel confident. You're making me second guess it, but uh, the thing is, like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably going to be wrong with whoever I say. So, <laughs> yeah, no matter what, you're going to be like,
0: this is it's all up to Shanahan. And I think the one thing I'm leaning towards is draft pedigree with, Ty- with Tyron Davis Price, even though it didn't work with uh, Trey Sermon. I still think that there's something to be said about getting your guy in the third round. Uh, to me, Davis Price has the upside you want to see, he has the red zone looks. He's also worked in that system before with that zone read. So to me, there's just a little bit of familiarity with that. And we've seen Jeff Wilson not be, there's. he's had blow-up games, but then he's also struggled in this uh, in this role as well as a starter. So I want to see somebody who can come in, take it over. And it would not surprise me if it was Jeff Wilson, if it was Elijah Mitchell when he came back, or if it was Jordan Mason. But give me a guy, TDP, man. I'm sticking with it
1: that was a great question man that really made me think and now i'm just gonna be second guessing it all day see i got a couple (laughs) more i'm not letting
0: you off the hook i got a (laughs) few more here for you uh, for you too um i want to go one more here mike williams keenan allen keenan allen is injured right now right mike williams yeah he was looking good last week too until he got hurt Uh, and then mike williams didn't show out at all a lot of people a lot of people were like hey mike williams is take ready to take over as this wide receiver one for this team it didn't pan out that way early on week 1. However, which Chargers wide receiver would you rather have when they're both healthy? So it's not this week. Keenan Allen starting <laughs> week 3. <laughs> starting week 3. Which Chargers receiver would you rather have for the rest of the season?
1: Um wow. I think Michaels. I think I think Mike Williams is probably probably the way I'm going but I like, I don't feel confident in that one either <laughs> um, because I, so the, th- the thing with him in a vacuum is I think like he offers this, this, this deep threats that I'm not sure Keenan really possesses. Like it's almost similar to like Judy and Sutton, right? Where it's like Judy might be more the possession guy, whereas Sutton's more the big, like, guy like Mike Williams has that, but he also has this elements in the game where we saw at the beginning of last year too, where like, they can still use him in the short and intermediate ways like a like a chain mover as well. So I think he has all three phases of the game that really um are attractive uh for for that offense and for that specific prototype of wide receiver. So from that standpoint, I will choose him over Keenan Allen. Plus, like we also see hamstring injuries tend to linger. So, like assuming he's healthy and he comes back on the yeah. field. Like, let's say, let's say we're in week five, right? Keenan Allen comes back on the field. Like, there's still like this this hammy that he's probably dealing with. We know those tend to linger. He's he's not exactly like the youngest wide receiver. Now I think he's like 29 years old, yeah. which is, like it's it's somewhat old for like for like a wide receiver. So um, I think I think with that potentially in the in the back of the mind as well is also a reason
0: I would like, you know you, that's a really good point, man. Is that hamstring injury could linger, but I'm still going with Keenan. Still nah, going with Keenan nah. on this one. Uh, it's just. When you get the kind of volume that Keenan gets on a week to week basis, consistent volume, there's value in that to me in fantasy football. Yeah. He doesn't have necessarily the same upside as a Mike Williams who could go for 150 and 2 TDs and it wouldn't shock anybody. Yeah. But Keenan to me provides, especially in PPR leagues, he just provides that consistent value you want to see. And one of the more underrated things is that it was assumed that Mike Williams was like the red zone guy for this team. And it was actually Keenan Allen last year who led this team in red zone targets with 27. So uh, I'm still in on Keenan Allen, even with the injury. I think there's people who would probably be willing to sell him to you if so. Um, but either way, you can't go wrong. They're, very, they're both options, top 20 options for the, uh, for the season. And now's not the time to sell Mike Williams. I think tonight... Before tonight's game was probably the last time you're going to get Mike Williams yeah, out of value. So
1: it's going to be a big game.
0: Go get him, man. Uh, moving on to different receivers now. This is a little bit more different because Chris Godwin is hurt for three weeks. Julio Jones has stepped up into a very nice role. And I don't normally like talking players when they're injured. But we have to talk this one because Mike Evans is the guy there on Tampa but there's got to be a secondary receiver this year. And Chris Godwin's going to be out for the next two, three weeks, maybe dealing with some of that injury coming back. It's a hamstring injury for him as well. So maybe dealing with some of that injury coming back. He did not practice this week. Uh, Julio Jones looked very good week one and could be stepping into that Antonio Brown role. His value is up. Who would you rather have season-long starting today?
1: Ooh, um, between Julio and Godwin? Or Julio.
0: Between Julio and Godwin. Um, I
1: don't,
0: unless you, unless you want to say Russell Gage, I have something not think. No, Russell no, no, Gage no, we're like not that. going there. We're not going, yeah. there.
1: We're not going <laughs> there. So this, this, uh, so Julio last couple couple days has not practiced. So yes. I think that's an interesting data point in there, but I'm assuming both are fully healthy and this might be a hot take, man, but we gotta, we gotta warm up our hands here real quick. We're going Julio Jones Ooh. and the, re- the reason why I'm going Julio Jones is assuming both are healthy. I refuse to believe that Julio Jones, one of the greatest wide receivers of all time with Tom Brady in the most pass happy offense of his career is suddenly toast. I understand. I understand the point and perspective of he might not like physically be healthy enough to sustain a full season. But if we're specifically talking about a player being available on the field, I want Julio Jones. We also see wide receivers or just, just, nfl players in general their first year off the acl they tend to not be as productive because even though they're medically cleared to play and they're still in shape to play football like they're still not like fully 100 back until like 18 months after the surgery so that is one thing to keep in mind we saw a great target share from julia jones um 23 of his routes run which is like the same as as mike evans we saw uh him get two rushing attempts there so they're clearly trying to utilize him in the offense uh next gen stats had like Julio Jones' rank is like the eighth fastest player. This guy's thirty-three years old, twenty-point-seven <laughs> miles per hour in a freaking game. Like he looked amazing. Like like Julio Jones is still freaking Julio Jones, man. Like I, I refuse to I refuse to fall off that train. In the last couple of years, he was dealing with injury, but he's still efficient. Like he, like all the metrics, underlying metrics still show that Julio Jones is, is a star wide receiver. So he's on the field. Why not? Why not Julio Jones? Why can Julio Jones not be the leading receiver for the Buccaneers?
0: Why not Julio Jones? Not? Leaders, you know, I love the boldness there because it's not as far-fetched as everybody thinks. Leading receiver even? That that might be a stretch, but it's not out of the realm of possibilities. Julio Jones is better than people think he is. He's not washed. You're 100% right in that. And the speed is there. The reliability is there. And the last person to worry about age is Tom Brady. When you're on the field, you're going to get the rock if he trusts you. And I think he trusts Julio Jones in a lot of situations. So uh, this team trusts him. Like you said, they use him in the run game. They were using him on deep shots. He had one that he just missed there on the field. So I like Julio Jones. But I would get Godwin. But I would get Godwin. I said all of that, and I think you. One of the best points you made about Chris Godwin, though, is that it's going to take a while for him to get back to speed. He wasn't even fully ready in preseason. He was still wearing a heavy brace. He shed the brace the week before this game, and obviously was dealing with some other injuries that probably were compounded because of the other, you know, trying to come back. So we might not see him for a couple weeks. But I think in those playoff weeks, when you got Chris Godwin on your roster, you might be a little happier. So it's a lot closer than it was in preseason when you drafted your team. It's a lot closer than people want to admit. But Julio Jones, I think that speaks a lot more to Julio Jones' value, probably being more wide receiver three-ish than we initially thought. 100%. 100%.
1: I'm totally uh, to with you there.
0: Last one. Last one we're going to do, and you talked about Jets earlier, so I don't want to do – I know how you feel about Garrett Wilson. But how you feel about this receiving core from now into the future Brees hall michael carter michael carter had a hell of a role uh caught a lot of passes but so did Brees hall and we saw them both being utilized Brees hall has a higher draft capital michael carter has more experience who are you rocking with dalton is this rest of the season rest of the season right here? rest of the season starting oh, right now make it easy uh, okay. for you oh, man
1: so one, one of my one of my bold takes before the season was um was that Michael Carter was going to outscore Brees Hall this year? But also, I have Brees Hall as my number two running back in Dynasty, so it's like one of those things where <laughs> I'm so conflicted here. And and here's the specific reason why I'm going to go Brees Hall is even though I think Michael Carter over the full season is going to score more points, I think in the weeks that are going to matter in the playoffs, it's going to be Brees Hall's team. So like we're gonna we're gonna see him his role. Like it's going to be Michael Carter right here, and then it's it's just going to be this slow burn. Slow burn and Brees Hall is slowly going to go and he's going to take over. And that has nothing to do with how good Michael Carter is, because Michael Carter is a legitimately good running back. But Brees Hall in his first games at 45% of the snaps, he he was utilized um, as, as a pass catcher, caught six balls. Like we're going to slowly start to see Brees Hall start to, you know, break off big plays like, and for him to see that workload in that first, like I was almost expecting like a 30 to 35% snapshots for him yeah. 45% first game. Like it, 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 it's inevitable for Brees Hall to be that guy. You're not going to spend a high second round pick on such a great prospect for him not be involved. I do think Michael Carter the entire season is going to be involved in some way, shape or form. But in the weeks that matter, as the season progresses, Brees Hall is going to be that guy. He is the guy that I would choose in this scenario.
0: Now, Michael Carter was a guy last year. A lot of people were like, hey, it's his time. I faded him. I was like, Michael Carter is not taking over this role. He played nice towards towards down the stretch last year. When Brees Hall came in, I'm like, Brees Hall is that dude. So it's only a matter of time before he takes over this role, but Michael Carter did show that he's going to be part of this offense. I want to attribute some of that to Joe Flacco, who we know is deep and checks down a lot. He saw nine targets, which is a lot of volume in this offense. I'm going to heavily agree with you. I think Michael Carter scores more points this year. He will score a ton of points, especially early on in the year. But in fantasy playoffs, this team is going to be out of contention. Zach Wilson will be the quarterback, and we will see a lot more Brees Hall. They're going to want to see what they have with their guy. And it seems like they're, not, they're willing to pass the ball, check it down to the running backs. Both of them should have a – I think Brees Hall down the stretch is going to be way more valuable for your team. So – I like the man. Dalton, I love it, man. I, I love it. I love we're on the same right now. page, bro. Like,
1: we're it feels, it, it, it feels like Hinderlick. I love it.
0: Yes. Yes, sir, man. Well, any parting thoughts heading into tonight's game or week two? Any players you got your eye out for, man?
1: Uh, week two. Uh, yo, so, so some guy I'm really interested in on seeing their role is uh, is Donovan Peoples-Jones. So seeing 37% of the target share was really interesting. But I think the most important thing with Peoples-Jones was he was utilized as, as a deep threat in his first couple of years. Like, he had a... His average depth of target last year was 15.6. Year four is 17.6. But his average depth of target last game was 8.5. That's what we saw from Michael Williams. So remember, Michael Williams was this deep threat there, throwing them mm-hmm. deep down the field. He wasn't getting a ton of targets. And at the beginning last year, the first four weeks, they were utilizing him like in this role, like this inter- short intermediate route. And that's what made him so valuable because he was able to have this consistent target share in production. So, again, it's one week. But, again, that was very interesting for me to see so if he can do that over the next couple of weeks and he's still being utilized in these intermediate games and he's dominating the target share they're like he was a good prospect coming out. And we see like day three guys, it tends to take them a, a few years before yep. they start to shine. And like, he's kind of in that mold. I'm pretty sure he's only like 23 years old too. He came out yeah. 21, like great athlete. Like he was efficient. Like he, he kind of does check some of the boxes like weirdly for this, like under the radar, like breakout player. So again, one week, that's what happened. I want to see how that plays out next. next week.
0: Yeah, he's he's definitely. I had a, I had my eye on him last year. I thought he was he had potential to kind of be that breakout guy, similar to what we saw Sam Brown do towards the end of last year. I was thinking that with DPJ, and he just struggled when they when the lights were on it was his time to shine. He was dropping passes. We saw it, it was either a Thursday night or Monday night game where we saw him struggle heavily. Um, but to me, seeing the the targets was very surprising, um, and it was encouraging. And we talked about Amari Cooper kind of being a fade. That's to me if we're looking at DPJ in these next two, three weeks, and he's still seeing anywhere from six to eight targets, that's that's a guy I would lock in on. I think he does have a lot of that potential he talked about as well. So uh, my guy I'm looking forward to is a name that's been thrown in the mud, probably dropped in a lot of leagues, um, Cam Akers. I'm very, very curious what his utilization is gonna be this week because not seeing the field, only having three carries last week, one of them was a backward pass. Stafford made he lost 10 yards damn near. So, to me, I just want to see is are the carries there. If he hits somewhere around ten carries, I will not panic. I'm going to let the process play play out. But if we see another three to five carry game out of Cam Akers, I will be very, very concerned. Uh, potentially looking at dropping him if he does not increase the carries.
1: Yeah, hundred percent on with you there. And McVay's always had that one one back that kind of leads the carries. So I'm curious to see if Akers is good enough for them to utilize him alongside Henderson because he saw it in the playoffs yeah. last year. So the thing is you utilize him in the playoffs last year. Now he's even like, he has like another six, seven months to recover from that Achilles. And now it's like, you aren't utilizing him. Like, yeah. like what's going on here?
0: It yeah. had to be a soft tissue stuff that they were talking about earlier in the week, but Darrell Henderson was going through the same thing and recovered. So that, like I said, it's just confusing because all indications were that he was going to have at least some type of role, 10 to 15 carries. And to see three was shocking to say the least. So if there's a turnaround, I'll be less concerned if there's not a turnaround. I'm pushing the panic button.
1: Got it. I love it.
0: Dalton, man, gotta have you do this again, bro. This is fun. A lot of a lot of good banter back and forth, and a lot of good information from you, man. Tell the people where they can find you.
1: Yeah, 100. So you can uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Dalton underscore Cates. Um, I'll tweet some stuff throughout the week. I do some recaps and like look at some some targets per run and just kind of just kind of find out like what kind of matters like who's who's trending up, who's trending down. Um, so you can follow a lot of my work on Mojo. Um, I'm in charge of the blog content over there, so I'm putting in a bunch of blog content for recaps, um, some stuff heading into the year. Also, I do some betting at Stealing Lines with Ben Dredge, so we have a betting subscription there. Do some player props this week. Uh, we just hit on a 40 to one Saquon Barkley, they have most rushing yards on Sunday, so that hits. So we start off the, yeah. the year pretty strong. So, hope I mean, the, the, hopefully, uh, we can continue uh, writing that there. So, that that's where you can find some of my work. I'm in betting fantasy um, you know, dynasty stuff now. So kinda kinda Good all stuff. over the place when it comes to, to football.
0: Good stuff, man. Well make sure you guys follow Dalton and make sure you guys follow along. Subscribe to Justin Henry Show Monday through Friday, three PM Pacific time. We'll see you on the next one.